Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, to Rojo fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Got a special podcast for you doing a day earlier with Coach Harvey Hyde. Of course, talking about USC's 17-12 loss on Thursday night uh, to the Washington Huskies. So we have a lot of questions to get to. You guys have sent tons and tons of questions, and we'll get to as many as we possibly can. But if you want to send us another one, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address, or you can call us at 641-715-3900, extension 816. 816- Six four six, or you can go to our website, parastylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. You can leave a voicemail right from your device. And please, be specific in your questions. Try to keep them brief. We have too many. We can't read full-page questions. We can't play two-minute voicemails. So keep them concise. Tell us what's going on, and we'll get to it as quickly as we can. iTunes.com slash Podcast. how you can subscribe on iTunes. And if you want to follow the coach on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde is his Twitter handle. He likes to tweet during games and, and, you know, tweet with you guys and stuff. And of course you can interact with the coach cause he's right here. What's up coach? How you doing? Brian, how you doing buddy? It's a Sunday and, uh, as a coach or as a service, uh, we work every day. We want to thank uh, all of our, uh, people who listen. We want to thank all of the people that send in questions and, uh, why don't we get started? Yeah, we should jump right into it, Coach. I just wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Uh, you can go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for a concert, sporting events, you want to go to the theater, any stuff like that, you can go to sctickets.com. We'll have a message from them at the end of the show. And, uh, Coach, we got a lot of questions, so I guess we'll just jump right in and we'll get your thoughts. Here's the first one, uh, voicemail for you. Hi Ryan, this is Al from Fresno. This is, question is for the for the coach. Uh, I asked a question of Dan last week about how the practice was under uh, Ed Orgeron and, and Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I think I got my answer uh, with this Washington game. the The team is flat, uh, has no has no passion. Um, it, it seems like it's a root, a, a rudderless boat uh, that has no direction, um, and it's taken on the 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 personality of the coach who is very flat and, and dispassionate. Uh, I, I, I think it's time to, to make a change. And if we lose these next three games who are, which are against a formidable opponent, uh, I think the guy's done. He's over his head. Uh, I think, uh, I want to know what the coach thinks as far as the direction of this team and what type of direction it, it needs to get put on the right track. Thank you. Bye on. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, let me first of all say this. Uh, first of all, it was a loss, but uh, it was worse than just a loss. Uh, it was uh, it was ugly. It was embarrassing as far as a Trojan player, Trojan coach, Trojan family, fan, no matter what it means. It was embarrassing to football as far as uh, how the uh, entire national televised uh, image of USC football was displayed. I think that, first of all, USC is a traditional top program, one of the top programs in America as far as tradition, and uh, people aren't seeing that, which really, I think, bothers people the most. 
Uh, first of all, let's start. I've got to keep these quick. I know there's a lot of a, with an appearance of a uniform. I think you have to look sharp. I think you have to be a part of a football program that believes in yourself. You've got to be a team rather than stars. And uh, everyone, uh, you know, has got to celebrate. Everyone wins together. Everybody loses together. No one cares what the stats are as long as you obtain your objective, and that's to get the W and, and play without penalties and play without embarrassment to your program. Well, I think that they they covered all those issues, but all in a negative way. And uh, what direction they have to go, I don't know. Uh, they 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 seem to not uh, get, seem to get it as far as being ready to play, as far as understanding how important each game is, making the necessary adjustments to a college football game, uh, bring your game, uh, and uh, you know you got to do things more than wave towels, carry swords onto the field, uh, do the things that uh, which were demonstrated no pass blocking, all of the above. And uh, I don't want to go too far into this first question, <laughs> but it could it could have been a great weekend, Ryan. could have been a weekend that everybody enjoyed. If you're a Trojan Thursday, Friday, the kids would have loved their God got up and go to class. Believe me, every kid would have gone to class on Friday. Been a great weekend for all USC fans, Saturday, Sunday, watch Watch college football all day Saturday and get ready for a great traditional rivalry rival in, in, in Notre Dame. But it turned out exactly opposite. They've lost two straight home games, and both uh, heavy favorites in both of those. So what can I say? Uh, the program needs to get a transfusion. It needs to get it together. Yet Coach Sarkeesian is very, very optimistic that the team is headed in the right direction. So let's hope it is. Let's go to Adam in Sacramento. He says, long-time listener, first-time writer. Well, thanks for writing in, Adam. It, it was very long. I had to pare this down a little bit. But he said, first off, I love the podcast. You all do a great job. I enjoy your insight into the team. Uh, at this point, I like it more than watching the games. Ouch. That's uh, But I'm glad you like the show. A uh, question uh, for Coach has to do with Sark's ability to make fundamental decisions. As a fan and not a player or a coach, maybe I'm missing something. I would think that the coach of a program such as USC would have certain decisions that are second nature, uh, like sitting, uh, like setting the brake in your car. So he mentioned a, a few different things, like the two-minute drill versus Stanford that was taking a long time, going for it uh, on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal in the Stanford game, which looked like the smart thing. Then the opposite in the Washington game, they kicked a field goal where it looked like they should have went for it, not running the football versus Washington, stuff like that. He says, aren't those principles uh, coach at this level shouldn't have to think about, or am I completely missing the boat? Maybe those decisions aren't as easy as they seem to a fan watching from home. If those are fundamentally bad decisions, how as the head coach can you fix them with no one above you uh, telling you what to do in those situations? Maybe time spent under someone at a lower-level program where the pressure to win isn't the same as USC wouldn't be such a bad thing. Fight on. Thanks from Adam in Sacramento. Well, thank you, Adam. Uh, Number one, there seems to be a lot of confusion, okay? And I think that's what everybody's seeing, confusion in play calling, confusion in penalties, confusion in, uh, as uh, Coach uh, Sarkeesian said, uh, people not lining up properly because of lack of depth or people are injured and all of that. Well, you know, the, 
that's something you teach. You're a teacher. You, you don't play somebody in a game unless he knows where to line up, okay? And uh, if you can't line up properly, then you can't run a hurry-up offense, which obviously is not a hurry-up offense anymore. It's a Cody Kessel look to the sideline, hold your hands up and your palms up and say, what's next? Uh, I would think it's better to have a young team in a huddle if you have to to make sure where you line up and talk to them about what the next play is and then run it rather than not line up properly or have unexcusable penalties and things that aren't right. So I think that that uh, you also plan ahead. I think there's confusions on whether to kick a field goal at that time, at that moment, or whether uh, you're going to go for it. I mean, you know these things before you even do it. You know them three plays before that, four plays before that, when you tell your offensive coordinator, we're going for a touchdown, but first we need the first down. We don't want to, we want to use the time because we're going to win the football game with a touchdown. And you, you, you let him know that so that he doesn't have to worry about what, what plays he calls. And I think in this situation, uh, they weren't sure what they were going to do. It was a last-minute decision, I think, to kick the field goal, which I don't know why they did that. They were having trouble just scoring. I, I would have taken advantage of that right then, that fourth-down situation, and tried to make the first down. So, <laughs> excuse me, I'm I'm a little confused. I think they're confused. I'm not quite sure uh, game management on what direction it's going, and I want to throw this in here right now while I'm thinking about it. I don't think... Whoever's calling the plays has sole, sole control of calling the plays. It looks like they're jumping around, and everybody's saying, well, let's try this, let's try that. I agree with you there. There does seem like there's some confusion. Um, specifically on the field goal, we have a, we had a voicemail question just about that, so let me play that for you, Coach. Hi, Ryan. This is JB from uh, Westlake Village. Just wanted to say I love the show. I listen to it every week. Um, this My question goes out to uh, – coach Harvey Hyde my question is is there was about three minutes left in the game the Trojans were down by four points there's about three minutes left on the clock and Sark goes for a field goal can you explain that call and why he went for the field goal and didn't go for the first down if they get the first down at least they have a shot at a touchdown and, and going up with the field goal they still have to kick the ball off possibly do an onside kick or kick it off and hope they get a three and out and have some time left on the clock. Any help with that call? Anyone telling me on why he did that would be great. Thanks. Well, I, I don't know why he did that. I uh, wish I could tell you, right? All I knew is they were having great success at running the football. And when we, when we would have got down in that position, that would have been my main idea is we're going to run the football and we're going to score. But I think there's a lack of believing in the running game as far as uh, uh, USC. I think they're a pass-happy team first. Even if they don't have the openings with their receivers outside, they're going to throw the ball, force the ball, and that's where a lot of these turnovers come. And uh, they they should have known that all they needed was one score. You give Clay Helton or whoever's calling the plays the shot and telling him, hey, we're going to run the football. If nothing else, well, I don't want to get into all the things about never use your tight end or never hit the middle of the field. I don't, I don't want to get into that, yet that's wide open. 
That's why the running game was going, because they have no support behind the linebackers. If you make get through to the second level, you're making great, great yardage. And when you have three great running backs like they have, believe me, those running backs play their butts off, and they really fight for every single yard. And, you know, the idea is not to have stats. The idea is to win the football game. And whatever that defense is taking away from you, you utilize that other portion of your attack. And they just seem don't seem to see that. They're going to force the pass, uh, you know, three straight passes after they score a touchdown running up and down the field. It goes back and forth like who's calling those plays? Is someone intervening? Is someone saying, let's try this now, rather than go at what's going and, and utilize a certain things? So I, I I don't think that there uh, there there is – I don't know if there's communication problems. I don't know. If, uh, if someone's telling the coordinator what's going on or if two guys are calling the game. it To me, it looks like it's disorganized completely, okay? Complete disorganization as far as too many guys playing, receivers running in and out of the game. I mean, uh, it, it seems like, you know, it to me it doesn't look like, hey, this is our starting 11 guys. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do whatever it takes to win. We don't care how many catches or how many times you carry the football or how many yards you throw for. All we want to do is take advantage of what the defense is giving us and get a W. And that goes on the same other side of the defensive side. So that's what's frustrating to all of us is is the method of which the game is being played. We Now, we had multiple questions about the – the run game coach. And so I want to play at least one of these voicemails for you to kind of get your specific thoughts on that. Here you go. Hi coaches. How are you doing? This question is for coach Harvey Hyde. Um, I'm a little confused as to why soft didn't continue to run the ball, considering that's pretty much what was working for us all night. Um, I'm sorry. Also too, I'm an SC fan from New York city, but um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this game late last night from the East coast. And I'm just realizing that he's, he's, he's having a hard time coaching, just handling the whole, the head coaching seat. Um, it seems like it's too much for him. Um, also, too, it seems like he's too quarterback-driven. Um, everything is based on the quarterback. He, he passed on first down, second down, third down, when it was obvious the run game was working for us. Uh, it just seems like it, it, this, this seems like it's a little bit too big for him, the seat of being the head coach. I think he's better off as an offensive coordinator. But once again, you guys are doing a great job on the podcast all the way from the East Coast. Fight on all day, every day. Take care, guys. Well, thank you very much for your call. Uh, our feel, my feeling is this. Uh, yes, he's there. they would rather pass the ball. They, they want to force the ball. That's why the interceptions came about as far as he forced the ball. That, that early interception, Garden Hire assisted right in there and passed it, caught the ball. It was his coverage. He couldn't find anybody open because they're not throwing in the middle of the field. Juju's covered because they're running a cover too soft and cover too man and all all the different things back there that take away. Well, if you're going to play USC, we're going to take away the pass first because they're going to pass the ball before they run the ball. So they did a good job of defensing that portion of the game because they know you never throw to the middle of the field. So why defense the middle of the field? Why why defense the tight ends? Because you never catch a tight end. Yet if you watch any football this weekend – you saw these big tight ends catching footballs all over the field in the uh, 
Utah Cal game. Uh, they, they line Anderson up and they bring him across from the slot, just like they could the tight ends USC has, and they hit him and hit him and hit him. And the same big tight end, the Simone kid from Utah, makes great clap, uh, catches and they punish the, re- the defensive backs when they catch the ball. And running the football is something you got to do. The first play of the game, they run a bootleg. Now, that's great, and they go for the home run in the first play of the game. You haven't even run the ball yet. So how's the bootleg going to be a big surprise? Have you got the respect from the running game yet? The play-action pass comes off of establishing the run. So you play-action pass, you throw the bootleg, now it's second and ten. Well, that, they get off of schedule. You get off of schedule, you get your run, and you got running backs like you have, and they ran them more straight ahead rather than lateral, which I like this week. If you notice, the backs could break and find the daylight and get up the field. They ran more north and south, and they got great yardage, and they were on a roll, and they were getting hot. So let them keep it up. Make them stop it, and then all of a sudden you'll see what happens in the passing game, but they'll have to get out of some of those coverages they're doing, and then you're of course, you'll hit the outside guys, but you can't force the outside game when it's not there. You've got to take what they give you, and it was obviously in the middle of the field, but with the run and the pass. So I think that's the best way to answer that question. And their outside running game is nothing but the bubble screen, and they threw right into their coverages. So, you know, nobody screams there. Dory Jackson from the Arizona State game comes up with nothing. But throw him over the middle or put him in the back or put uh, run an option play. Linebackers go one way, I go the other way, and hit him over the middle. Wide delay. Any of those things would have been wide open. Um, How about a draw? How about a draw once in a while when you have the middle of the field and they're rushing you get five sacks and you can't even run a draw? <laughs> um, well, the play calling, it comes up now. People aren't really all that worried about it. They were kind of happy when – Clay Helton took over, but obviously scoring 12 points against uh, a rebuilt Washington defense wasn't ideal. Tarek wants to know, with the loss to Washington, will Steve Sarkeesian retake play calling duties since he likes to run first while Clay Helton likes to pass first? Well, I don't know who likes to run first or who likes to pass first. I would say it's opposite. Uh, I would say Coach Sarkeesian talks about running the football, but he likes to pass the football. He's a quarterback. So what's a quarterback like to do? Pass to football. Uh, I would say Clay Helton probably would more or less uh, like to be balanced and do be good at both. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't have a headset on, so I really don't know what the conversations are during the game. But I do know that to win championships, you've got to run the football and play great defense. And uh, I think that uh, uh, that we don't see a real belief in that at times because I think quarterbacks today, if you watch college football, watch all, all the great teams' quarterbacks. Now, Alabama doesn't run their quarterback, but most quarterbacks today are athletes that run the football. Now, you don't have to be a great athlete, but Cody's a good athlete, and Cody can run the football. He knows he has to run the football. Run the football off this offense. This offense requires a quarterback to be able to run the football occasionally. When you watch Travis Wilson play, now does he look like he's a great ball carrier, great runner? No, but he gets hundreds of yards because he comes out there, it's wide open, and he runs the football. He runs out of bounds, but he learns how to slide. 
Yes, he's been hurt a couple of times. That's a game of football. So you've got to be able to take chances and do things that your offense give you to be able to win. You can't force things. You've got to take advantage of things that you're able to do with the certain type of offense you're running. Uh, let's go to Gregory in the OC coach. He said, Chris Peterson delved into the, his, his old Boise State playbook and came up with one of his famous gadget plays to have Browning toss the ball to receiver Marvin Hall, who then uh, looped a pass to wide uh, to wide open Joshua Perkins for a touchdown. At the beginning of the season, the Trojans did a similar play with Jalen Green throwing to a wide open receiver. How could the USC defense be so vulnerable to this kind of play? Greg in the OC. Well, they got caught napping, and what I mean by that, uh, the best time to do a trick play is all of a sudden after a turnover. That turnover was right after Juju's uh, fumble, and uh, the defense comes running on the field, and I expect to go on the field. All of a sudden, there's a fumble. They go back out there, and they're trying to get lined up. They should have noticed, too, if I'm if I can remember correctly, the quarterback took the snap from under center. I don't know how many times during the game he did that. So when he did that, that, of course, put a lateral type of situation in a better position as far as making sure the ball is being thrown back, thrown backwards so this non-recruited athlete from USC could throw to another recruited, non-recruited athlete from USC, which are good kids, and it was a perfect play uh, to, to make it happen. I think the kids were from Dorsey and one from somewhere else. I forget where. But great call. Great timing. Perfect call for that time of, time of the game. Scores a touchdown. Tight ends wide open. And all of a sudden, uh, the momentum now is changing. Whenever you allow someone to play with you, when, they, when they're not sure if they can, they gain confidence. Now, USC used to have a fear of people coming into the Coliseum. They didn't want to come into the Coliseum because they were not going to only get beat, they were going to get hurt. But now they've lost two straight conference game games in the Coliseum. So are people afraid to come into the Coliseum? Is Utah afraid to come into the Coliseum? Absolutely not. You used to be intimidated to come into the Coliseum. So now when you allow that to happen, then other people gain a lot of confidence, too. And those things happen. And it was a great call, okay? It was great timing and caught the defense napping. And uh, that's what happened. So uh, I can't tell you, you know, it was a breakdown. But it was a great call at that time. Um, Robin, ben, Robin from Virginia, Coach, I think he needs talking off the ledge a little bit. He said, once again, USC was unprepared against an unranked opponent at home. And once again, USC lost. We had a huge statement win against Arizona State to avenge our loss to Stanford. But I predicted we'd lose our next game because this is what USC does. They lose a huge game, and then they win. Say they fixed everything, made improvements, and go right back to being unprepared and losing. We can't just have a good game after we lose. Uh, we have to have good games every week. We should get better, not regress. The improvements can't be just be for the game after the loss. The players and the coaches need to take what they've learned from each game and build on it. We should be better every week, not worse. Uh, first, we had no defense. Then we have no offense. We can't play a compre- uh, Why can't we play a comprehensive game? Kessler had two picks and no touchdowns. If we hold a team to 17 points, we should be able to score more than that. If we score 31 points, our defense should be able to hold the other team to fewer. Now we can agree. Now can we agree that our season is over? We still have to play UCLA and Oregon. Notre Dame is next weekend. 
uh, Robin from Virginia. He didn't even mention Utah, who's number four in the country, but that's uh, that's Robin from Virginia, Coach. Well, Robin, uh, <laughs> right now, you, you, Oregon is not a major thing to think about right now. Yeah. Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, and whatever. But, yeah, I, I understand your frustration. I, I'm going to tell you, you know, one reason you're that way is what is the identity of USC? I mean, what is their identity? Who are they? I mean, like you said, do you know what team's going to show up? Are, are you confident that another team has just got to be better to beat them? Are they going to beat themselves? You really don't know what to expect each Saturday. Like you didn't know what to expect, and all of a sudden they go down to Tempe, and, of course, they had a lot of turnovers, but their defensive help, defense helped uh, to have those turnovers. They had to knock the ball loose and intercept the pass, and they beat Arizona State. Then they come back, and they have a bye, and so on and so on. They come out against a team like Washington, which is a good, young football team. It's very well coached, and what they did was take away what USC tries to do, and people didn't adjust to it. So you don't really know what to expect when a USC team plays. Now, Arizona State, I think, has the capability now of winning the South in the Pac-12. You watch. I'm not saying they're going to go into Utah and beat Utah, but they it wouldn't surprise me at all because of the attitude of Todd, Todd Graham and the way his team plays with such an emotional attitude and intensity. So, yes, I know what you're saying. Good game, bad game, different game. Perfect game, miserable game. There has to be consistency. You can't beat yourself. And yesterday, they helped beat themselves with penalties. They had more penalties in the first quarter and total yardage against them than Cody Kessler had passing the football. <laughs> I mean, please, guys, you know? That, that, and turnovers and things. And when Juju Smith had that turnover, Schuster, when he had that turnover, he knew he fumbled the ball. But why didn't he go after the ball? He sat there and just looked at it or felt like it wasn't a fumble. He, he fumbled the ball. I don't think there's any argument on that. It, it showed that. So, you know, these are the little things that you see and we can talk about today, but they're all the little things that add up like termites. If you let it go out there, and you've heard me talk about a lot of the things like uniforms and the up-downs and the waving of the towels and carrying out the sword, that's that doesn't mean anything. Just put your helmet on and go out and play a football game. Um, Tyler from uh, Sammamish, Washington, where uh, Max Brown, backup quarterback, is from, he said, I pinged you several times with semi-critical comments regarding Coach Hardly, Harvey Hyde. But I got to say, it looks like he's been right regarding this Trojan team. We've been a fast-break basketball team that, when everything is rolling, looks unbeatable. But as soon as we're smacked in the mouth, we wilt and or lose our cool. I know football is always evolving, uh, but it is and always will remain a game of toughness and grit over style points. It seems that neither Kiffin or Sark have this in their DNA. They always seem to want to out-skill our opponents. Then uh, when Trey and Rojo banging out 6, 8, 12 yards a crack is what's needed. Please tell Coach that events have uh, vindicated his quote-unquote toughness-first approach. That's from Tyler. Well, Tyler, I, I think football is a tough game. 
And I think if you have toughness in your in you, uh, you become tougher. If you take something away from you, you want it more. And uh, I think that uh, if you don't have training table, then you're more hungry. When you have the best training table, you're not quite as hungry. When you stay in the best hotels, sometimes you're, not, you're spoiled. And I'm not sure that uh, that isn't the fact in a way. I mean, uh, like I said earlier, uh, the game is a is a tough football game, and I think that you have to be able to be tough to play the football game. And you can't worry about you can't worry about little things on stats and who's going to get the credit. I think on the defensive side of the football, it's about time they they figured out who their best eleven football players are. And I think that they and nothing against the players that are rotating. I think it's great experience, but the number one thing you got to do is win a football game. There are three linebackers or four linebackers. There are three defensive linemen or four defensive linemen that are better than the others. Same as in the secondary, to keep rotating the entire time. And, yeah, that's great, but the offensive team's in there as long as you are in there. Suck it up. Be able to play. Don't look to the sideline. Don't look to me unless you want to go home. <laughs> so... I'm, I'm just telling you, I think there's a little bit of too much of the attitude that everybody plays and everybody's happy and everybody's this and we're all stars and we all four and five star guys and we're supposed to win without really paying a price. You gotta pay a price. Everybody has great athletes. There's a lot of them today. So you've gotta be able to pay a price to be hungry, as I mentioned. Hungry for the win. Hungry for the feeling of what winning is all about and being able to be coached properly too to put us all in the same position to be able to accomplish our goal. And I think that's the responsibility of the head football coach to put himself in a position and look at himself first and say, what are we doing wrong around here? And, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through all that list of things again. But again, that that's what you have to look at, and that's why they pay you two and a half, three million, whatever they pay a year. Uh, let's go to another voicemail question, Coach. We got a bunch of those. Yes, uh, this is uh, uh, Mr. Lee from Northern California Bay Area. Um, question for Coach Hyde. Uh, I have a question. Some people are questioning uh, Cody Kessler. I think a lot of this uh, has to do with. Uh, teaching. Uh, I don't see the creativity in the USC uh, offense. Um, I haven't seen the using the tight end or the fullback the last um, maybe year or two. Um, you, can also, you can always uh, use uh, players like Juju and uh, other players as a distraction. For example, you can use a rollout, fake rollout into a fullback screen. Or you can do a wheel right with Juju and pass and get the ball uh, to the fullback. Uh, give me your opinion. Thank you. Well, uh, uh, I I like your opinion. I like what you're saying. Uh, everyone doesn't have to catch a pass in a game if everything else is working. Everybody doesn't have to worry about the NFL. Everybody's got to worry about what your goals are to win a football game. And if it's throwing to the tight end in the middle of the field, the entire game with hooks and curls and slides and drags and corners or whatever you have to do, that's what you do. 
if it's throwing the ball of the backs down the seam or A-B option in some of these plays that I, the terminology, I know you don't know what it is, but it, it is important to, to do these things. Uh, I think a lot of times Cody gets the blame was he's throwing very difficult routes into certain co- coverages. First of all, when you're sacked five times, it's pretty tough to, 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 to uh, throw the football. And when you ding three times, I think he got three late hits on him. After a while, you lose a little confidence. And you say, you know, i got to get rid of this ball sooner or I'm going to get killed. So it's blocking. It's play calling. It's timing. It's down-distance situations is what coverage they're in. And maybe a draw occasionally might help or a wide delay or something in the open area when guys are coming hard. So, yeah, you got to help a guy. Cody Kessler's a winner. I don't doubt his winning ability one bit. Without him, I don't know where you'd be or where SC would be. He's a winner. But you've got to give him some help. You've got to be able to, to make things happen for him. Now, am I saying he did the right thing in throwing two interceptions? Hell no. He should have thrown the ball into that group on that screen that didn't work when he was rushed. He should have thrown the ball out of bounds. You saw Browning throw it out of bounds three times in the first two or three uh, series of the games, and he's a freshman. Should he throw the ball, threw the ball across the first interception? Heck no. Throw the ball out of bounds if nobody's open. Don't get sacked. Don't throw an interception. It's, that's the worst thing. Don't make it worse than what it already is. But I agree with you 100%. There's things on the field that are not being taken advantage of with certain areas of the football field. And why do it the hard way when you can do it the easy way? Good one, Coach. Um, yeah, obviously a lot of frustration in some of the fans. Uh, I want to read this one for you. And I'm kind of, you know, there's it's, this contradicts some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Maybe we can discuss this, but uh, Rez2 wrote in and says, isn't a major key in college coaching to, quote, ignite passion in players? Carroll and Orgeron are exceptional in this. Sark and Kiffin, not so much. The team always looks like they could care less. No jumping around and getting the crowd into it like the D did uh, at the game, uh, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter. I remember the players crying after the Notre Dame and UCLA game losses saying we let court Coach Orgeron down. Orgeron did more with a depleted roster than Sark's ever done with a full one. There's no question the talent's there, uh, but the coaching is not nearly at championship level. And, uh, coach, I mean, I, I see guys jumping around. I, see, I mean, but maybe not at the right times, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that and what he was saying. Well, you got to do more than just chest, uh, butt everybody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to, and you can't be phony. I mean, players can see right through you. You got to be who you are, and if you're not the guy to get them fired up, then you got to have somebody on your staff to be the guy. Coach McKay had more guru. Coach Carroll had Ed Orgeron, or, or Davis, or, or these some of these other vocal type of coaches that were on his staff. So I think, uh, you know, I was for George Allen when I coached with him. I mean. Coach uh, wasn't one. He had all the preparation, but when the kids needed their ass chewed or whatever before a game, I conveniently helped him with that. And I think that's that's things you have to recognize and and be able to have a team at a certain level that's real, not phony. I think wave toweling, uh, swords, 
uh, all that's phony stuff. You got to get back to football and what football is all about. And that's toughness, execution, preparation. Uh, you know, you you win the fight before the fight. You prepare for the fight. And I think this is where it's all at. And you just can't turn it on on Saturday. You've got to start it during the week. You've got to make it great, great game plans. You've got to have enforcers. You've got to have the kids ready to play. And that's all part of a head football coach. It starts with the head football coach, and then he's got to understand and know his strengths. He's got to know what my weaknesses are. And where your weaknesses are, you try to get someone to help you with that. Like I always would want to have somebody smarter than me on my staff. I wish all eight of my assistants were smarter than me. Because that means I've surrounded myself with great people who I listen to. And, uh, you know, like little things. And I don't mean to say this the entire year, but I do mean to say this. The entire year they've let Adoree Jackson do whatever he wants on kickoff returns and punt returns. Even if the ball is rolling around, he'll pick it up and try to run. No matter what. Well, that's non-disciplined football. You don't see that in the NFL. You don't see it anywhere. And when he picked up and tried to fool around with that ball in the five or six-yard line with guys all around him, that's not the kid's fault. But he wants to win and make a play. Someone should tell him, you don't do that. I'm sorry, you're a great player, you're a star, this and that, but you don't do that. And there's some do's and there's some don'ts that you allow certain people to do. So I, I think a lot of that type of stuff will help you get beat. So, uh, you know, that just, I have a lot of little things I can mention like that, and I certainly don't want to do that too often, but I do sometimes. But I think it's out of control. It starts to look like Sandlot football. And do you want that? I don't want that. Yeah. Um, okay, oh, we'll do two more. I'll do one voicemail and one uh, email question for you, Coach, and we'll let you go. Here's the voicemail. Hey, Ryan, this is Dennis from Lancaster. My question is for Coach Hyde. With us giving up over 100 yards rushing again, do you believe it's time for the Trojan defense to switch to a 4-3? since we have Notre Dame, Utah, and UCLA coming up in the schedule. Love the podcast. Fight on. Well, you know, I think I said it last week. Yeah, I like the four-man front better with this group. you got to have somebody coming off the edge to get pass rush. You're not getting any pass rush whatsoever. You just get no pressure. And then when you do bring pressure, guys are running by the guy that's supposed to tackle. I mean... It's like they didn't learn to settle up and sack the quarterback, or if they are penetrating, they'll run by the running back. You've got to be able to get through gaps. You've got to play gaps. You've got to get more penetration. You've got to bring people off the edge, and you can do that with a 4-3. I don't see anybody jumping off the screen at me. I don't see saying, oh, he was offside, like the Hollis kid from from uh uh, UCLA or the kid from Utah, I said, oh, he's offside. Uh, he, you know, that's impossible. The Fitz kid that uh, they committed to at, uh, from Redlands East. Kylie Fitz, they yeah. They didn't get, huh? Kylie Fitz, yeah. Yeah, did you see him jump off the screen last night at Utah? He definitely he did. Up, you knew he was there. Huh? 
knew he was led there. Yeah. <laughs> Even the TV guys knew he was there. Number 11, you know, 6'7", 270 pounds. I mean, this guy comes off the edge. you got to have guys come off the edge. I mean, that when they come hard, you, as a quarterback, you know that I know my tackle's not going to block that guy. He's just too fast, and he's going to make me step up. So when you step up, then all of a sudden he makes an inside move on you, and you're sacked. So you go in and out, out and in, and whatever. So there's a lot of things that can be improved there. So, yes, I like the 4-3 defense. I think they need more pressure. I don't think they're making any pressure, and and uh, I think they should do do anything they can to get, get penetration and play on the other guy's side of the football, please. Um, let's go one last one for you, Coach. Jim in uh, Palm Springs. He says, thanks for the excellent work you do to keep USC fans informed. All you, uh, all of you do an accept admirable work covering USC athletics. There's a whole lot of comment about this loss to Washington, but why on earth is USC even playing on Thursday nights? The game atmosphere for the Washington game was largely dead and the LA Coliseum poorly attended. The reality for fans of USC and other Pac-12 schools in metropolitan areas, areas including UCLA, Stanford, Cal, Washington, and ASU, is that weekday traffic makes it incredibly difficult to attend a game in the Coliseum, in addition to the fact that many of us have jobs we have to go to on Friday morning. That that USC passively accepts this awful arrangement on Thursday night games is another indictment of Pat Hayden and Max Nikias' poor representation of USC athletics. Thanks for your time and attention. Fight on from Jim in Palm Springs. Well, you probably haven't heard me rant and rave about that on all my programs. I've done it a million times. It's all because of financial money that they're getting for TV contracts. Myself, that means they're neglecting the fans that pay buy season tickets, to pay big money for uh, whatever club they're in, or donations. And the, the conference just bought into this and uh, without any consideration as far as for what Los Angeles is and where it is and what's going on in the traffic, and obviously the attendance showed it. It's a very difficult thing to attend a game. I heard people saying, you want my tickets, you want my tickets, you want my tickets. I don't want their tickets. <laughs> and other people, other people, you know, they don't want to go down, yet they pay for those tickets, Brian. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong for the students to go to school at USC. They can't even go to school. Look at the trouble they've got to find a parking place. How about the tailgaters? They want to tailgate before a game. They can't even park on campus. And above, and it goes on and on and on and on and on, okay? But it's because they sit down and they make all these TV revenue things without considering all of the above. And I think that it's poor planning. I think it's inconsiderate. I don't think it's right for the student-athletes who have classes on Thursday or Friday morning. And you have to leave if you're playing an away game. You leave on Wednesday to play on Thursday. You come back late Thursday night, you're going to get up and go to class Friday. You're supposed to. It's just all of the above. It's ridiculous. It shouldn't be done. If the Pac-12 was on a national network, they could handle that all, and they wouldn't have to do that, okay? But because they don't have a national network, they've signed with ESPN, which is a great affiliate, and they said you play on Thursday nights if you want to get national exposure, unless they're on one of the other selected game, Fox or whatever. So that's exactly what's happened, and TV's in charge, and uh, they have forgotten the fan and gone for the financial benefits. 
Coach, great stuff. We uh, got to as many questions as possible. Um, there were so many, and there's still more, but you know, it, hopefully we hit on all the major points that people have. Uh, but thanks again for uh, coming on and sharing all your insights. Thank you very much, Ron. Thank you for all of you out there for your questions. Uh, have a good week, and uh, let's hope uh, the trip down to Notre Dame brings in better better uh, calls next week. Okay? Yeah, thanks, better, guys. Better. Yeah, thanks, Coach. And everyone else, just let you know, I'll probably be doing a solo podcast to try to get to some of the leftover questions. There's a bunch of other ones, too, that weren't assigned to, to Coach or Dan, so I'll try to get to all of those sometime, probably on Monday or so. But thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and here's a quick message from Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.